Hello, world. Welcome to the Telos Running Podcast. My name is Steve, and I shall be your host. This week is episode 11. Coming at you from beautiful Central Texas, we have unbelievable weather right now. We have this narrow window in Central Texas in the spring and the fall where we have what others would call spring weather changes. And um, the blue bonnets are in a riot right now, and um, the sun is shining. It's 75 to 80 degrees and 50 to 60 degrees in the mornings. Um, this will last for like 3.4 days, and then we will go into the heat Anyway, I'm doing a solo show this week because um, I had a guest planned for this week, and he had some unexpected things sh turn up, and Kristen wasn't available to jump right in this week. And so instead of waiting a week to produce um, another podcast or to wait a week, I decided to jump in and do a podcast solo. So this week, given that um, there have been some requests recently for... Um, work for a specific, a specific uh, podcast talking a little bit more about training-related topics since we've kind of gone further afield with our, uh, with our heart and mind portions of this podcast. Again, the Tell Us Running podcast is dedicated to it's a training podcast focused on training the body, the mind, and the heart for what a race requires. And um, We've been doing a great job talking a lot about what's going on with the mind and the heart. And so this week, I'm going to dial in on some specific training, a specific training-related topic. And this one um, is one that came up uh, from a conversation with a friend of mine um, a number of months ago. And then uh, it has now, I've recycled this basic idea a couple of times with athletes that I've worked with or in... Um, emails that people have sent me uh, about training-related topics. And just to remind everyone, this this podcast is um, all about running training, as you well know, um, and I'm a coach, and we have a new season of um, the Telos Running Season 2. Um, the Ethos Group will be beginning started on April 29th. Um, if you're interested, it's um, an incredible program. You can find out more online at telosrunning.com and click on training programs. There's all the information there. Over the next couple of weeks, I will continue to try to push that a little bit since that's a way that I make my bread and butter um, and give you some more ideas about what we do in that programming. But this is here. This, this particular um, podcast episode is a lot more to do with what you can do if you're not in a program and you don't have a coach, and um, sometimes you don't really know exactly what to do. And so this is what I'm calling grab bag sessions. What I mean by grab bag is these are workouts that you can throw in just about anywhere at any time and know that you're getting a great session in. Um, they can be done on any surface, and they're really... Um, nicely placed where you don't have to worry so much about periodization. And I'll go into that in just a little bit. But anyway, so these go-to sessions, these grab bag sessions, um, are all going to be somewhere around 60 minutes or less. Um, I think there's one or two, depending on the paces that you run, that may stretch out a little bit over an hour. But they're highly convenient and really easy to drop in nearly everywhere. And they don't depend on... Um, they, they can be easily 
they, they get you the adaptations that you're looking for from training, um, and they're varied enough that you could probably end up doing these sessions um, on repeat, maybe one a week um, or one every other week with some other things sprinkled in. But I just thought I would kind of highlight a few basic training sessions that would be really helpful to anybody if you're traveling especially or if you have a limited amount of time and there's no excuse for getting out and getting in um, a workout. These grab bag workouts are can be done on any surface. So you can do them on the track, on the road, on the trail, or the treadmill. Um, and they're all really pretty easy to implement. Um, they're not complicated. So you're not sitting there trying to figure out how to program your watch or your or your um, treadmill or whatever it is that you're utilizing, um, you can pretty easily get all of these sessions um, dialed in. They are um, not all time-based, but they um, there's a mix of time-based workouts and mileage-based workouts, but they're all pretty easy to manage. And of three of the four are under 60 minutes, and then one of them is um, a long run workout so that you've got some variety there. Cool. So with that started, I'll just jump right in. Um, so why are these grab bag session sessions so good? Because there's an incredible bang for your buck. Um, most of these you can, uh, as I said, you can get them in in 60 minutes or less, and they they really allow you to be in that position of getting a good quality workout in and knowing that it will be helpful to your long-term running development. It won't tear you down too much. It'll hit a variety of different energy systems, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. And I like to call these periodization proof, meaning that they really stress, all of these will stress a little bit of a different energy system, and they're all energy systems that kind of need to be worked. Um, and these energy systems, these workouts hit them in a way that kind of checks off that physiological box. Now, over the last couple of months, I've gotten away from this energy system paradigm or race pace paradigm, not completely because it's how almost every coach that I know was trained, but I've come to believe that these energy systems may not fit perfectly in with where runners are today and the way that people actually physically adapt. Most of this stuff has been done in laboratory settings or it's done out on the roads where we don't have tests that are going to be done. So there's sort of a disconnect in my opinion about where these lie in terms of absolutely scientifically based work. I would say they're all evidence-based work. You Almost every one of these sessions and, and almost any session that you do that fits into sort of a physiological system, um, you can usually find an argument for why it's valuable and beneficial, um, but there really aren't any magic workouts and there really aren't any magic paces um, in my system and almost every system of the great coaches that I know and have been influenced by and who are friends of mine. They're all working a continuum of paces and making sure that there's a balance there that benefits you. And um, so I think that we're seeing a little bit of a move away from this idea of um, specific energy systems and where they target. Um, anyway, I'll probably do an entire podcast on that at some other point in time since there seems to be some interest in that. But today, what I'm going to cover is just workouts that you can do, three inter interval session, three workouts that you can do and one long run that you can do that will give you the best bang for the buck and that are go-to for you and you can do anywhere at any point in time. All right, so what are the workouts? 
So there's basically three s interval type sessions that I'm talking about. So the first one is um, a tempo run. Um, then the next workout is what I'm calling is what we call mile repeats. The third workout is um, an Aussie 5K, and I'll talk about that specifically. And finally, um, a long run close. So those are the four sessions that we'll be talking about. These are the sessions that can be dropped in nearly anywhere and to great effect and easy to implement. Um, so 20 to 40 minute tempo. What does that look, out, look like? So, so many people get a tempo wrong. Um, I think that everyone understands they need to do tempo work, but I don't know how many times I've heard somebody basically <laughs> grabbing their knees, bent over back, bent over their over their knees, breathing incredibly heavily, heavily, and just not able to get their breath control and saying, wow, that was a really good tempo. Um, or, which is not the case, because that means that they're running way too fast. Um, or they're doing a race, and the race doesn't go exactly they, what, the way they want it to go, and they say, oh, I was just out, I was just going out for a tempo run, which is kind of a bullshit move, in my opinion. Um, tempo runs are so good for you, and they're so important, but they need to be placed in they need to be thought of in a really appropriate way. And by that, I mean that they need to be looked at as making sure that you're hitting the right paces so that you can get the most benefit from it. Running a, running a tempo run too fast means that you've turned it into something altogether different. And in, for most people, that will mean that it's kind of turning into a race. Um, and that's not the best and most appropriate way to train. So. And that's key is the, probably the most key point I can make is that tempo running is not racing. Um, so what is tempo pace? Because so many people have a different argument for it. So I think there's basically two different ways you can look at it. Um, well, really, there's three as, as I think about it. There's just the effort-based system, which in which you would you would look at this from the perspective of saying, I'm going to go comfortably hard, which means it's hard enough that you're feeling like you're doing work, but easy enough that you're able to say, I'm comfortable. And usually with comfortably hard, as the run progresses, it, it gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder. Um, the second way to look at it um, is that you're running at anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold pace. So this is the point at which you're able to continue to run aerobically and not, not um, building up lactic acid and having lactic acid build up and start to slow you down. Um, and you're extending the amount of time that you can stay in that comfort zone right before you hit the lactate threshold and start to accumulate lactic acid. Um, and then the other way to look at this is for those folks who are on a heart rate monitor. Um, this is an absolutely excellent workout to do on a heart rate monitor. And for almost everybody that does this as a, on a heart rate monitor, you want to be at about 80 to 85% of your max heart rate. Um, I've heard people talk about doing this tempo run at 90% of your um, heart rate. And I'm not, I think that's probably a little bit too hard. I think if a runner got to the point where they were comfortable running the distance and um, running that distance at that heart rate, and you get at least the minimum amount of distance I'll talk about in a second with the, with the tempo run, um, then you might be okay. But that's something that I would, I would definitely get more experienced as a um, as a tempo runner before you started doing it at 90% of your heart rate. So um, from a pace perspective, where does this hit? So for folks who use um, pace systems, like doing workouts at 5K pace or 10K pace, your 
anaerobic threshold or your comfortably hard pace should be right around your half marathon pace. I call it HMGP. Um, so that's another way to look at it. And this workout basically is 20 minutes of running at your tempo pace continuously. Um, it, it doesn't sound too hard for many people. If you're going to run a half marathon, for many of you, you're running somewhere between um, an hour and you know, 15 and two hours for your half marathon. Um, maybe you're running, um, you know, two hours and 20 minutes for it. And so you're thinking, wow, how does 20 minutes at my um, tempo pace, really half marathon pace, help me in regards to running a race? Well, this is really one of those sessions that's not focused on race-specific work. It's focused on getting you the best aerobic engine possible in order to be able to run at faster paces for extended periods of time. And for most people, 20 minutes tempo run is a really good place to sit. Um, we want to see, now I have for many, for some of my athletes, they will do this tempo, 20 minute, this tempo run, start out at 20 minutes and eventually we will move it up to 30 or 25 and then maybe move to 30 minutes and then maybe move to 35 minutes and then maybe move to 40 minutes while we keep the pace consistent. Um, there are other ways to modify this and, and, and vary it. Um, you can, ex like I said, you could extend the time that you run at your tempo pace or you can speed the pace up and just run that 20 minutes. But you want to be very careful about that because you don't want, again, you don't want to turn this into a race effort you should be able to see yourself getting, if you're getting fitter from this training, then, and you've done five or six, four or five different tempo runs, and you've had other varied pace work that you've done during a training cycle, then you may start seeing great benefits in your, in your anaerobic threshold space. And so you might end up getting faster pretty quickly with these. Um, but I really think that it's way better to be too slow on a tempo run than it is to be too fast. Um, so let's go through a few permutations on this. So 20 to 40 minute tempo run, and I'm going to hit a couple of points that I'm going to use with all of these. Your rest, none. You're going to run it continuously. Your variations, meaning how you can vary this workout into making it a better session for you, um, or you can either extend the time that you run in it, or you can speed the pace up, as I talked about. Another fantastic way to utilize tempo runs, and I do this a lot, especially with either beginner runners or runners who are coming back from a break or who might be looking for getting good work in but not looking to overextend themselves, as I do broken tempos. So a broken tempo is another way of looking at your tempo running. So it's a variation of the tempo run. And broken tempos look like basically taking that 20 minutes and break it into five-minute sections or four by five minutes or two by 10 minutes. Um, and if those folks were looking to go further, a great way to stair-step this session might be one in one week or in one week you might do a 20-minute tempo um, and then three weeks later maybe you're ready for another tempo run and maybe you do, um, you do four, you do three times 10 minutes at, at broken tempo. Um, or And there's ways that you can basically break it up so that you're running the same pace, but you're adding more volume. And there's lots of ways to stair-step that. But the key thing is you're trying to maximize the amount of time that you run before you accumulate lactic acid. And that's the key to the tempo run, is you're getting aerobic conditioning, which makes a huge difference. 
So those adaptations that you're getting, as I said, are aerobic conditioning, extending the time run at your threshold. And here's a key thing. One way you know for a fact that you're doing your tempo right and appropriately is your breathing should be controlled. If your breathing is in control, then you're probably hitting um, and you're feeling comfortably hard, then you're probably right where you need to be. Um, now, that doesn't mean that your breathing will be like not a little fast. So, it, you know, it might still be in... It doesn't necessarily, it might be like, that's still in control, but this isn't. That means you're running too fast. You're now into VO2 max zone. You're, you're moving into anaerobic conditioning, and we don't want to be in that session with this particular workout, okay? Um, so what are the mental benefits of this session? So the thing I love about this session, it's funny, I have people come to me and say, um, basically, I feel like tempo runs are my most challenging workout. Um, and I'm always a little surprised at that because I'm like, well, for most folks, especially for marathoners, running 20 minutes at their half marathon pace shouldn't be that daunting. Um, and, but what I have found is that one of two things are happening here if somebody tells me that they have a really hard time with tempo runs. One, and most likely, is that they're running too fast. So, um, and, and that's, that's really important that you, you dial that back, get a good idea of where you're at and run at your half marathon pace. That way you're not going too fast, um, or go comfortably hard. Uh, or number two, either they are running too fast or number two, they're an athlete that needs callousing. And that is, um, something that I have found is so important for runners is that they need, in order to do this sport effectively, You've got to get into the position where you are able to grow a callus on your efforts. That means you need to be able to sustain and to maintain and sustain paces while it's uncomfortable. Typically, callusing it's never a, it's very rarely a situation where you're just in, in in absolute pain. It's more about being willing and able to sustain a hard, steady effort when your body when your mind starts bucking like a bronco and saying, "Oh hell no, I don't want to do this anymore." And you get control of your mind and say, "Listen, I can do this." One more minute, three more minutes, five more minutes. I, whatever it takes to stay at that pace, you'll be able to extend and extend it. Um, and usually a, a few sessions where we break up the tempo. If you're having a hard time with, with the idea of the tempo run, just start with broken tempos and use them that way. And do four times five minutes. And then the next time you do it, do two times ten minutes. And the next time you do it, do it 20 minutes. Um, and pretty quickly you'll find that you have calloused yourself to the point where you're able to manage that. Um, so, you know, this is a workout that should be done year-round, in my opinion. It has, no, as I said, all these workouts I'm going to give you, they're periodization-proof, meaning that they can be done at nearly any time, anywhere. So with each of these workouts, I'm also going to give you a caveat, which is sort of something to pay attention to that's pretty important. Um, in this case, the caveat for your tempo run is don't cheat. Going faster does not benefit you, and it is better if you need to, is to chop this up and um, extend the session, um, but try to run at these paces. Because once you move beyond tempo pace, you start getting into other zones. Now, I'm of the opinion that there is huge benefits to be done at half marathon pace all the way down to 10K, and I think n there's not enough work being done 
at the efforts between half marathon down to 10K. And each second or five seconds per mile in that zone, I think personally, well, it may or may not create a specific physiological adaptation that the body could be tested on. I know that the athletes that work in those zones get stronger and stronger and stronger. And this is the place where, when I say don't cheat, the caveat to that is if you're getting fitter, then go ahead and do it. But the key is, can you keep your breathing in control and are you still comfortably hard? And if you've done that, then you're absolutely going to be in a great spot. And this workout um, can make a huge difference. Um, if I if I had to, of all these workouts, if I had to say one that you absolutely had to do, um, you know, I, I just can't do that because I think all of them are valuable. But this one probably gets the biggest bang for the buck. Um, and I read somewhere somebody said, that they didn't think the tempo run made that much of a difference for athletes that are running the 10,000 meters or below. And I just don't understand that. I think that if you're in a 5K, in a speed development phase, or you're focusing more on your 5K or your 10K, or even maybe running a mile, I would say you still need your tempo runs and you need to do them consistently and you need to keep them in your cycle. How often? You know, I think it's not too much to say once every two weeks, but certainly I wouldn't go more than three weeks without doing some kind of work at your half marathon pace. Um, the system that I have developed over the last 25 years is very tempo focused um, because I feel like I coach a lot of marathoners and they get such a bang for their buck out of this one. So there you go. First grab bag workout to do is a is a tempo run. Oh, one, one note on... Um, just thinking about this. One note on warm-up and cool-down. Do what you need to do. Think about what you've got time for. My suggestion is typically to get at least 20 minutes of warm-up. But this workout is one that you could actually, if you only had 10 minutes, you could do that. And if someone were going to do a 40-minute tempo run and they wanted to squeeze it into an hour, I would say 10-minute warm-up is probably sufficient. Um, you might want to ease into the workout a little bit and spend the first three to five minutes kind of moving down towards that half marathon pace. But then you should be able to stick it pretty quick and hold it and extend it and you'll get a lot out of it. So um, in each one of these, I'll talk a little bit about warm up and cool down. But in this one, the warm up and cool down can be anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, um, depending on what you need and where you're at from a mileage perspective. All right. So that, that wraps up the, t the tempo run. The next grab bag workout are mile repeats. So these... I think this is perhaps the bread and butter of any seasoned runner. Every runner that I've ever met, um, at, especially at the collegiate level, who ran collegiately or post-collegiately or ran at, at, at the high school level, they almost, almost everybody has done mile repeats. And uh, they are incredibly challenging. And they, depending on how you do them, they usually strike fear in the hearts of nearly every runner that I have met. Um, they, I think that doing... This workout is so critical and crucial for what actually happens in racing, um, especially for 5K and 10K racers. People who run cross-country, mile repeats are, again, bread and butter. They're, they're, they're done all the time. When I ran um, in high school, I did mile repeats. When I ran collegiately at the University of Texas, I did mile repeats. When I ran um, post-collegiately up in Alamosa with Coach V. Hill for a while, we did mile repeats in the park. In fact, Coach V. Hill had mile repeats in the park every Monday day year round nearly year round and it was uh, always happening so um, the great coach V Hill is renowned for his success with all his athletes and his he he believes and he's scientifically based he he did shit tons 
of mile repeats constantly. It was it was his bread and butter session. So. Um, I've got three different mile repeat workouts that I'm going to suggest to you because they kind of hit different systems and they might be a way for you to balance out where you're at in your particular training cycle and what you might have time for if this is something you're trying to fit in in a short term. Um, so I've got four, the first mile repeat session that I'm going to suggest uh, called the challenge. This is four times one mile at your 5k pace. So this is one of the hardest sessions that I write for my athletes. Um, running more than your race distance at your 5K pace means that it's really challenging. Um, and unless you're a 5K or 3K specialist, um, the pace on this always feels fast. And if you're a mile specialist, then the distance always feels so much longer. And this one is a really tough one. For my folks who are half marathoners and marathoners, when I give them four times a mile at 5K, they're almost always just dreading it because they know that they've got, um, that they're going to have to work really, really hard. Um, and it's a place where they should expect to get lactic somewhere around the third rep. And that means that they still have to stay it makes it really tough to stay on pace for that for the for the duration of that third rep and it really makes that stepping up for the fourth rep a real challenge um so a lot of people will ask me on this fourth rep why is this fourth rep so important um and is it really smart to go a mile further than my race distance at my race pace is that too much and i'm always like no absolutely not um you have a fucking race you have a fucking rest interval coming up and when you're running in your race in a 5k you get no rest at all so extending for that fifth that fourth rep really is where most of the both physical and mental adaptations are coming and it really does make it um a, a real struggle to hold on and stay focused. And so, yes, this fourth K, this fourth mile to me could be the most important of the whole workout. Of course, it's easy to say that because it's the one that hurts the most and it's at the end and it take, but the three that come before it are the ones that get you into the position of being in that tough fourth rep. So, you know, it's hard to say what is exactly the most beneficial, but they're of a piece and they, really do a great job of getting you fit. So you 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 really need to consider this workout. So what does rest look like? So I got four times a mile at 5K. In this one, um, because this workout is really stressing your VO2 max system um, and your anaerobic uh, conditioning system, you want to maximize the amount of rest you get. And that's why doing that fourth repetition is pretty easy because you're getting a one-to-one -one rest. And by that, it means that if you're doing your mile repeats at 5K pace and your 5K pace is, let's say, seven minute per mile pace, then you would get um, an equal amount of rest for your, uh, for your time. Now, for many people, though, they don't need that amount of time. And so what I would say is for most people, three to five minutes is sufficient, but you have the opportunity to go up to one-to-one -one ratio with your rest recovery. And in the 5K, for some of you, it may be that way. Um, 
I've heard from many different sources that the that the the most amount of time that you actually need to get recuperated and recovered is eight minutes um, for any kind of workout. Uh, I don't really have I haven't done any scientific research on this particular topic, except my experience is that unless you're running 400s all out, um, most people are really ready to go and recovered and recuperated in three to five minutes, depending. Um, so the rest on this, I would say, can be one-to-one, -one, but in most cases, it's probably sufficient to be three to five minutes. All you want to do is be ready for the next repetition. Um, and be ready to be sure that you've got your focus and you're going to get that repetition done. Um, but it doesn't do you any good to go longer than eight minutes. Um, you don't need to wait that long before you get started because you could wait another 30 minutes and you'd still be in the same recovered position as you would be otherwise. All right, so the second version of this is six times a mile at your 10K pace. I call this one the classic. This is done by everybody everywhere, especially collegiate programs and anybody getting ready for a 10K. Um, this is an incredible developer of anaerobic conditioning. Um, it allows you to really work on pushing your lactate threshold out further and further, getting longer and longer before you start to feel that, that, that heavy-legged feeling and that where, at, where you can't utilize that lactic fuel to, to shunt it from your system and it starts to develop. Um, it makes um, that heavy-legged feeling and sort of getting that that taste of pennies in your mouth where your body is just starting to get to do a whole lot of work. Um, and the more of these that you do, the better and better you get at them, the easier and easier it is for you to press that edge of where that lactate starts to really accumulate. Um, I think this session is incredibly good for marathoners as well because it kind of gets you prepared for that slow creep of heavy legs that happens in a marathon and it happens really quick. You get it done like that. It's you're, you know, you're in you're in your fourth rep and you're starting to feel a little bit of that same heavy-legged feeling and a little bit of that sluggishness that happens that your body feels um, at the end of a marathon. Of course, you don't have the super heavy, super, super heavy legs that happen with running 26.2 miles, but you at least are getting yourself to that point where you're starting to feel that accumulation. Um, so uh, that's a great session, six times a mile at your 10K. Um, and then the third version of the mile repeat workout that I'm going to suggest to you as a as a great grab bag session um, is the or cut down miles. I call this the contender. Um, this is quickly becoming one of my very favorite workouts to utilize for every level of athlete, no matter what, um, no matter what they're getting ready for, whether they're getting ready for a fast mile or they're getting ready for a uh, marathon. The the cut down mile is an incredible way to hit a wide variety of energy systems and maximize your ability to feel like you're getting faster and faster and faster. So how do you implement um, your cut down mile? Well, you start with um, your half marathon pace, or if you want to look at it from a tempo perspective, you can call it your tempo pace. Um, and you start at that point, and then you cut down, you're doing six repetitions of this, and then you cut down each mile 10 seconds faster than the mile prior to it. Um, so if your half marathon goal pace is seven minute per mile pace, you'll do one rep at seven minutes, then you do the next rep at 650, then you do the next rep at 630, the next rep at 620, and you'll be going down towards 5K pace. And so by the end of this one, it's sort of a, a melding of the, of the six times a mile and the four times a 5K, because you're going to hit all of the paces on that continuum. Um, 
And you know, there's this doesn't fit that classic energy specific paradigm, energy system paradigm that I was talking about before. But all I can tell you is this shit works. And I have seen it benefit people so much. And it and unlike these other two sessions, the five K the five four by a mile at five K and six by a mile at ten K, you can get recovered from this one pretty quickly. Um so again, on all these, your rest um, is three to five minutes. I'm um, on the cut down miles. I'm always suggesting that people start um, really with only about 60 to 90 seconds recovery after that first half marathon pace. And then just extending to three minutes as they go down and they cut down and then moving to five minutes probably late in the workout as that get down toward past that 10K pace and in towards your 5K pace, you'll be wanting to get that maximal amount of recovery. So this workout is just a really, really good session for doing that. So um, what are the mental benefits from this workout? So I call this one, as an old timer, a nut cutter. <laughs> Hopefully people don't get offended by that, but it's, you know, it, it, it takes a level of fortitude and focus to get this kind of a workout done. And I find that it really preps people um, for getting them started to think about what it's going to feel like in a race. Additionally, um, this workout is a great, either positively or negative, depending on what you're looking at, it's a great way to um, expose your fitness. So if you want to know if you're ready for a 5K in a certain time, well, do four times a mile at your five at the five k pace you want to run, and you'll find out pretty quickly whether or not that's a reasonable thing. If you want to run a ten k in a certain time, then do six times a mile at your ten k pace that you want to run in that race, and you'll find out really quickly whether or not this is something that's reasonable. Um, this session is a great way of exposing where you are or indicating where you are, and it makes a great it makes it great for people to be able to do that. And um, you know, it's kind of hard to hide that you're not ready for your, whether you are or you're not ready for your race when you do a workout like this. Um, and, you know, that mental benefit of just being there and dealing with what the race requires and knowing what you're going to be up against and feeling like you're prepared. Because if you do this workout and you can't hit the paces, that's fine. Because what you need to do is just slow down about five to ten seconds for the first mile of your race and if you're going to run a race. Um, and you'll know, okay, I don't, I'm not going to go out as fast. You might be able to make that up on the back end, but you'll at least know for sure that you don't want to go out any faster than that. All right. So what caveats are there for this, for these mile repeats? Well, the biggest one that I have is that you need a lot of rest after this. Um, I wouldn't do another hard session. If you've done one of these VO2 max sessions, if you've done one of these, um, this mile repeat workouts, for at least 60 to 72 hours after the completion. That's for sure on the 5K and 10K paced versions. If you're going to do the cut down, you probably find 48 hours. You probably could do another workout about 48 hours after. But you want to put these workouts in in a place where you want to challenge yourself, see where you're at, give yourself a really good hard effort, and that you're going to maximize the recovery that you're planning on doing afterwards. All right? If this workout were going to be thrown in and you're not in the best shape in the world and you don't really know where exactly where you're at, then do the cut down version. Do that contender cut it down 10 seconds per mile. If you cut it down 10 seconds per mile and you can't get any faster, then just hold it. All right? Don't stop. Don't because you're just because you're not dropping the pace doesn't mean that you get to just bail on the session. Don't do that. Finish it all the way out 
and just try to hold the paces that you can. If you start to finding yourself slow down, then take a little more rest, all right? It may be that you, you, you jumped too fast, okay? Another thing that happens in this workout is people will say, oh, well, shoot, I went out too fast, and I ran my first one too fast. That's okay. Just run your next one at the same pace, and the next one at the same pace until you get to that point where you're back on getting those 10-second drops in. Okay, so for in that example, if I were running seven minute, my goal was seven minute mile pace, and I go out and ride my first one in 650, that's okay. Run your next one in 650, okay? And then the next one at 640, and then the next one at 630, and try to get that 10 second drop each one. It'll get challenging by the last one, but it's a really good session to do. All right, so that's the second version of grab bag workouts, um, doing mile repeats. Um, again, that, that one is just classic, cold, straight up, classic that anybody can do anywhere. Um, also, as I said before, this is one that you can do on any surface. It can easily be done on a track, easily done on a treadmill, easily done on um, the roads. Um, it can be done on a grass grass fields. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's a just an incredible session on any location that you have. Um, if you're going to be doing it in really inclement weather conditions, then make adjustments as necessary for your paces and go by efforts rather than strict pace. That's another caveat about that workout that if you're not going to adjust it and you're going into, you know, 15, 20 mile per hour winds, um, then adjust your adjust to 10 seconds per mile slower or 15 seconds per mile slower, whatever the case may be, and drop in on efforts. Um, anyway, that's a, great, that's a great grab bag session to do. All right, our third grab bag session. This one's awesome. Um, anybody that's run with me over the years has done this one many times. Um, I was introduced to this session by um, a mild-mannered but unbelievably tough Australian named Andrew Leatherby, who... Um, I think it was third at the Commonwealth Games one year in the marathon. Um, he represented the his country of Australia many, many times at World Championships, Olympic Games, and um, Commonwealth Games. And he uh, he's just an incredibly great guy. And he and I he lived in Austin for a while. He's a New Bounce rep, and he lived in Austin for a while. And we would talk shop all the time about different workouts and things like that. And he told me about. This Aussie 5K, because I was asking, I was I was a little worried. I didn't know where one of my athletes was from a 5K perspective, where they were going to be ready to run a certain time. He's like, oh, just do, just do this this session. Um, and what he gave me was a classic in um, for Australians. I talked to Lee Troop, who is a another Australian who lives in Boulder, has been a um, a coach of post collegiate athletes for a long time, and he's now an agent, and he's he made I think four or five Olympic teams. Um, and he says, this is bread. He, they call this bread and butter. This is one workout that they've done sometimes every week, week on end, um, which I cannot imagine given the workout that it is. So this is called Aussie 5K in, um, in tribute to Andrew Leatherby and all the Aussies that created this one. Um, in the variation, which I'll talk about, um, you'll see that they're, how it got that name and where it really came from. So, Andrew's suggestion for this was, this is a great way to get a 5K time trial done. And it's also a really good 5K workout. So if you're looking for something on the faster end, and um, this is a great one. So it's 12 times 200 meters at 5K pace, okay? Doesn't sound too daunting, but then your recovery is what we call a float. So you're going to do a 200-meter float. And here is the magic of this particular workout. Floating is basically 
um, taking your foot off the gas pedal after you pass through the 200 meter mark. So you're going to, if you do this workout on a track, you can do it a track or road. It's not as optimal on a treadmill, um, but you can easily do it on grass or trail as well. Um, it can also be done by time, um, and it doesn't get to use this fancy little um, 5K simulation time that I'll tell you about in a second, but it does give you the opportunity to see, um, it does give you the opportunity to do this work. So I prefer this best on a track, but you can do it anywhere. So the float is you run your 200 meter, you start off with 200 meters at your 5K pace. You take your foot off the gas pedal as you come through, and then you run as fast as you can while still getting recovered. Did you hear me? So you run as fast as you can while still trying to get recuperated and recovered. Every time someone does the Aussie 5K for the first time, they fuck it all up. And that's okay. You, you, almost nobody really knows how to adjust their float very well. If you're absolutely focused and make sure that you hit your 5K pace for each rep, then you're going to be okay with this. You'll get better at determining where you are recovering without um, how, much, how you're getting recovered and how much recovery you can get at paces faster than you realize. So this whole session is 12 laps on the track, 200 meters at your 5K pace, 200 meter float, 200 meters at your 5K pace, 200 meter float. And that float is, the, is where it all happens because you're learning to recuperate and recover while you're without being specifically running at a pace, but focused on trying to run as fast as you can. And I love this as a simulator for what happens in races because so many times in races, people get to a place where they feel like they're cooked and they they blow up and they're like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And any athlete that's ever done the Aussie 5K, they know how to take their foot off the gas pedal, recuperate and recover, stay in the game and mentally focused while recovering. And then nine times out of 10, actually 98 times out of 100, they're able to re respond and come back at it. If the race is a mile or a marathon, Anybody that does this consistently and learns how to float, they've got this incredible ability to be able to take the foot off the gas pedal, get their mind set, get themselves recuperated, recovered enough without slowing down so much that they throw the towel in, and then they're able to come back at it and stay and keep the workout working. So this workout, um, if done correctly, you run 12 laps around the track, 200 on, at your 200 at your 5K, 200 at your float, and finish at 12 laps and stop your watch. And it's is amazing, but for almost everybody who has done this workout one or two or three times and they get their float dialed in and they hit their 5k paces at the right pace, it's almost always a really good indicator of what they're able to run for 5k. Um, in fact, I have found that some people are um, able to run a little bit faster than their 5k time if they can get dialed in with this Aussie 5k and know how to do it. So that's the Aussie 5K, and it's really, really a great test for your 5K fitness, um, and it helps athletes to get prepared for racing efforts um, and get acclimated to that sort of shorter race pain without having to do too, too much. This is the epitome of a short and sweet session, right? <laughs> it's like it's done for most people in less than 20 minutes, um, and it is... Uh, it, it's a challenge in the sense of the mental focus needed to be effective on that float. 
Um, but it really doesn't beat people up too much. It's usually they feel pretty good with it. So, so there's a big, there's a key variation on this one um, that's famous world, world worldwide. Um, and I think many people who hear about um, this kind of a session where they hear about a float, they've thought they've heard of Deke's quarters and Deke. Um, is is named for Rob De Costella, who was probably probably the greatest Australian marathoner in history. He, I believe, is a world record holder for a while, um, um, Olympic medalist uh, in the hunt in the eighties and eighties and nineties for um, world titles at the marathon. Incredibly tough, tough athlete, and he used to do this workout, which will sound very very similar. It's basically this workout in a little bit of adjusted way, again, all the time, um, sometimes every week, depending on where he was in his training cycle. So this workout consists of basically eight times a 400 with a 200 float. And your, eight, your 400 is supposed to be run at your 5K pace. So you can see this one is much harder, and this one um, really, really, really taxes the system and really pushes you. Uh, you know, when you think about it, you're like, wait, I think it would be much harder to do mile repeats at, you know, I just talked about four times a mile at your 5K pace, but there's something sneaky about this workout because of the way that that float creeps in and makes it really, really hard and challenging to get that eight, those eight 400s at your 5K pace. Um, now, Deke would do these all the time where, depending on where he was in the season, he let he didn't really challenge himself so much on where his pace was exactly. He would do eight times a quarter what he would call hard and take his, and take his float, ease off his float wherever he needed to in order to be able to get them all done. But this was just a gut check, a big punch in the stomach to get him ready for um, knowing where he was at and where his fitness was. And because he did this workout all the time, he was almost always ready to go with it. So um, again, Andrew taught me this workout as 200 on, 200 off. Um, but I think that he did that because he had done so many different variations of this workout. He told me of another time where he's done 200 on, 100 float, 200 on, you know, 200 at 5K, 100 float. Um, and so you could break this up in a lot of different ways depending on what you were getting ready for and really get a, a great and fantastic workout for from it. Um, so your the key here is your rest is your float, and so you're in control of that, but you're not um, mentally able to check out. And I think this is what is so cool about this workout is it prepares you for what it will feel like to be in a race. Um, marathoners, this is a really important workout to do every once in a while in your cycle. Even if you do other 5K work, I think that it's really important before you race, especially because marathoners don't race a lot. Typically, when they go into their big races, they have a tendency not to race enough. Um, and if that's your case, and you, or you're not able to find races before you, you go to your marathon, doing this workout, even though it seems so much further on the other end of the spectrum from what a marathon is, makes a huge difference in terms of getting your mind right for what it's going to feel like to be in pain and what it's going to feel like to have to stay focused and recovered. Um, you know, you can make this workout into really a race effort if you need to. So, um, the adaptations that you're getting from this, as I said, anaerobic conditioning, this is VO2 max paces, um, and you're not resting, 
And so you're keeping a race engagement um, and you're staying engaged in what's going on as if you were racing. Um, mental benefits here, uh, you know, really, I think this session, in my experience, um, is so valuable for getting a person to kind of acknowledge their intent on it. And if I will ask, if I if I sneak this workout up and just kind of say, oh, we're doing the Aussie 5K, no big deal, just get out there and hit your 5K pace and float, um, most people don't really get that much out of the workout. They don't seem to really get the effort that they're looking for. But if we get them keyed up a little bit and I say to them, listen, you want to give your best effort here. You want to get the fastest time that you can run for 12 laps with that recuperation and recovery. Um, if they can get that intent acknowledged and get it locked and loaded, this workout has huge mental benefits. Um, because basically, you're prepping your mind for no rest. Um, and it allowed that taking that foot off the gas pedal uh, teaches you a method of managing effort and backing off where and when you need to, to stay and keep your head in the game. And you can stay in the game for that. So what's the caveat with this one? What's the check on this? Really, I don't have any. Um, again, the Aussies would sometimes do this workout week in, week out, week in, week out. I, I can't imagine that. That just seems so overwhelming to me. But um, the, he said they said that they did that all the time. Um, but the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to do this particular workout a few days or a week before a 5K. Um, if you're going to do it, do it a full week before it. But that's the really only caveat. I think this workout could be done anytime, anywhere, um, and balanced in with these other sessions, these other grab bag sessions that I've described. Um, you've got a whole, you've got a, you hit a lot of different energy systems and you hit a long, you get a lot of good quality work done. All right. So my last grab bag workout, and this might be um, the most important of all, even though it may or may not be the most valuable of all, most of my listeners are marathoners. Um, and I call this long run, it's called a long run with a close. And for me, this was an absolute game changer as a coach. Um, it changed the way that my athletes have performed at their race distances beyond 10K more than any other single factor or any other change that I made um, over the last 15, well, 15 years. Um, two things. I, weren't, I wasn't doing enough 20-plus mile runs, I believe, with athletes who are ready for that. You know, athletes who are, um, you know, aged 20 to um, 50 or even 55. I think consistent 20-mile runs um, with a drop week, of course, where and when you need it, but consistent 20-mile runs is is really important for marathoners. Um, so that's one little thing that I changed. That doesn't mean that you run 20 every single weekend. It just means that you're always making sure within every month that you've got a good 20, 22, 24-miler in the schedule. Um, you know, the the folk, the ladies from the Bowerman Track Club, I know um, that I heard Amy Hastings talk about the fact that she does a 24-miler every week. Um, that will definitely make you stronger and be a game changer. Um, I'm not advocating that for advocating that for every athlete that I work with, but I'm just saying that as long as you can get adequately recovered and recu recovered from a 20-miler, it's good. Now, of course, people who are on the slower end of the spectrum, maybe who are running their easy runs at 11-minute, you know, 10-minute mile pace, 11-minute, 12-minute pace, it's really hard for your bodies to run 20 miles. And so for you, it might be more appropriate to look at a percentage of time in terms of how far you run on your long run. Um, but that's another topic for another podcast. So basically, the next game changer that I found was 
you know, I was in a conversation with one of my athletes, and we were trying to figure out why some of my athletes were having a hard time really closing out races. Um, and I had done all these other, all this physiological work. I had paid really close attention to what the what the training programs that I was writing, and I had a lot of really good hard quality sessions that would, well, some key hard quality sessions that would test their metal mentally and physically, but. I still was seeing that in some cases my athletes were getting very heavy legs and then they were not really having a really good success in closing out the race. So I just decided that I was going to add what the great Greg McMillan calls a fast finish. And this is again another session that was um, came from across the pond. Well, actually all the way across at New Zealand, the, the great um, author Lydiard was always doing um, closes at the end of his runs. He had 20 milers that is that is 800 meter runners were running, and they would always consistently close out their run. And that was a that was a, a standard program for Lydiard. Um, and I had spent so much time with my athletes just focusing on getting the aerobic development necessary for the marathon. Sure, that's a great value, but people need to be challenged and people need to put themselves in a position where they begin to simulate what will be happening for them in a race. And so what I started doing was nearly every, if I didn't have quality workouts dialed into the specific session for um, a marathon runner, then I would ask them to close at least every other week. Um, and that close means you're running 20 minutes to 30 minutes where you run easy for the first um, let's say you're doing a 16 or 18 mile close, you would run really easy for the first, you know, 12, 13 miles. And then when you get about 20 minutes out from being finished, you just slowly but gradual, gradually and slowly creep the pace down. Maybe you're at easy pace. If your easy pace for you is eight minute per mile pace, then you move to 730. And then for about half a mile and then maybe you move down to seven minutes for half a mile and then you move down to you just start creeping the pace down 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 closing the run out so that at the end you're down near somewhere between your half marathon pace or your 10k pace now i don't like any of my athletes to really focus on where they get down to um i give those that pace range because you don't really want to consistently close out your long runs with 5k pace um it's just takes that easy run and turns it into something altogether different. But, um, you know, a few, maybe five minutes run at your 10K pace at the end of a long run um, is not going to negatively affect your ability to get recuperated and recovered. And so usually within a day to two days, you're completely recovered from that effort. And so it's good to do. Um, but some days you won't be able to close out that fast. Maybe you'll get down to half marathon pace. But what you want to do is close out your long run. Again, I can't, recommend this more and I would say every third week you should be doing a, in a long run that you're doing you should be closing it out and I think this is not just valuable for marathoners but half marathoners as well I'm not as convinced of its benefit to 5k 10k runners um, frequently those 5k 10k runners are not running as long a distance um, and not getting the benefit of that really slow easy aerobic pace for your long run is probably really important and you're doing a lot of pace work that's already in that 5k to 10k zone um, but for those people who might be running the 5k and the 10k who need that mental stimulation and need to be able to feel like you're able to close your race out I mean, ABC, always be closing. This is a great way to test that process, to work through that, 
and to teach your body to get really, really strong and be really mentally tough when you're tired at the end of runs. And I promise you, implementing a fast finish or a long run close will make all the difference in your marathoning. Okay, so that's it. Those are my um, four grab bags, which was actually turned out to be nearly six or eight specific workouts in that. But um, look at those sessions and think about how they can benefit you and where they might be drawn into and how you might get them done nearly anywhere. Um, hopefully you guys found this valuable. And if you have any questions about this particular episode, you can check the show notes. I've got these workouts delineated um, with the rest and recovery and some notes that I took in the preparation of it. So you can read that. Um, if you have any questions about these sessions or and any questions at all about training, I'm a coach. That's what I do for a living. I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me at Sisson. That's S-I-S-S-O-N at telos, T-E-L-O-S, running.com. All right, that's me signing off from Central Texas. Y'all take care. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.